This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveller, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Ash Phillips, what a legendary young entrepreneur. So Ash is based in Bristol in the UK and is the founder of Yenna, a community for future leaders starting and growing remarkable businesses. Yenna connects 3,000 plus young entrepreneurs and professionals from around the world and reaches over 3 million people per year digitally. It has been featured in Forbes, the Sunday Times in the UK and Virgin and has been awarded TechSpark's Best Mentor of the Year. Ash himself was a 2017 TEDx speaker and was listed on the Maserati 100 list in 2016. I am so proud to announce that Yenna is a major sponsor of the Peers Project. So I sat down with Ash in London several months ago and our conversation centred around his story and the importance of following your gut. Take a listen. Ash, welcome to the Peers Project. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. That's fine. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Of course. Perfect. So, you know, I reached out to you when I came across your business, Yena, Uh um, when searching for top, you know, the top young entrepreneurial communities based in the UK. And of course you guys popped up. You're at the top of the game. Um, So I I knew I had to reach out and and have you have a chat with you. So I really do appreciate you you coming down from Bristol to be here today. I haven't come that far. You've come way further Uh, than I have. So yeah, thank you for making the trip and inviting me. Of course. Perfect. So before we go into, you know, your business, uh, I'd like to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing and that is what did you love to do as a child and has this in any way impacted the choices you've made in your life in your career so far I think I didn't really understand what I like to do as a child and I still don't understand what I like to do now so by default yes but only because I have no idea what I'm doing still uh, and I didn't back then so I think yeah all I know is maybe not things I like to do, but the person that I was back then probably refi- uh, define who I am now, which was probably someone with completely undiagnosed ADHD, I imagine, someone with a low attention uh, span, someone who's a good, a really, really good generalist, but not very good at very very good at specifically one thing which is a good and bad thing of course it means that uh, I've probably got the makeup that I need to be a good manager good founder because you need to be good at lots of things great Um, but it means that actually up until the point where I founded my first business I didn't really have 
the best job prospects because I couldn't decide which career route was right for me. I had a, a friend that I went to school with uh, at primary school and he, he always knew he wanted to be a, a surgeon or a doctor or a GP from day one when we were, you know, three, four years old when we started school. And uh, actually quite relevantly, he's now a GP in Australia. Um, and he, he had that same track all the way through his life. And I was jealous of that because I had no idea. And as I say, I still don't really know, which is why I like to live vicariously through the members that we have in our, in our community. So, um, yeah, I hope that answers the question yeah. by not answering it at all. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, just- no, I love that. And I think that that really does tie into what you kind of uh, talked about at the start of your TED Talk. So I loved listening to your TED Talk and I thought we kind of use that as kind of a roadmap to discuss what we were going to discuss today. So you did talk about this question, you kind of opened your TED Talk about this question, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you kind of alluded to the fact that you still don't know and you're still trying to figure it out. Why do you think, you know, us as you know as a society as a whole we have this tendency to want to know you know the answer to this question like why do you think that is i think it's it can it can probably get quite deep i think it can be about uh and i don't want to get too deep here and philosophical but it's probably around it probably comes from the whole bigger question of like what the meaning of life is you know what what are we made for as a species where should we go as a as a as a collective of people and then as a uh, as a as a denomination of that, what should I do as a human? What should I do as my own person? Combine that with the things of what am I good at? What has uh, society enabled me to explore as a person? You know, what class system was I born into? What community? What location? What geography? What country? All of these things define who you can be essentially, and then you have to explore within that very defined uh, demographic the things that you should do within those to to make the most of yourself. So I think. We're just fascinated by by those things. I think it's probably inspired a lot by um, not necessarily non-fiction stuff, but when you're a kid, you're brought up on on fiction. You're brought up on stories. You're brought up on stories of heroes. You're brought up on stories of people that do great things um it's weird because they tend to filter out the negative stuff until you get to high school and you start learning about history um so i think people want to be their best self uh so obviously the the barrier is giving them the tools to be able to to make that happen to fulfill their full potential which is of course what what yenna aims to do um but yeah i don't, I don't know i think it's and it's also a, a comp- competition angle i think you know you're brought up in a um, depending on your opinion, a vastly overpopulated world now. So there's lots more people than there are jobs, supposedly. Um, And so there's lots of people that are competing for the same role, especially coming out of university. They've all got the same degree. And so how do they set themselves aside from everybody else? So, um, yeah, figuring out who you should be is a big, tough question. I think that actually that's forced upon us at too young an age, um, at 16, 17, 18 I don't. I don't expect everybody to know what they want to do when they're older. I, and as obviously as of the TED talk, I still don't really know. And not a lot of people do, but they feel some kind of social pressure to say that they do. This is what I should do, um, and that's where I think people go wrong. But mm, for sure, okay, super interesting. So I'd love to get into, you know, that. that university time. So, you know, you studied for a little while at at Filton College and Mm -hmm. you did talk a bit about this in your TED Talk, but, you know, you decided to drop out. Yeah. So, 
you know, looking back on that decision there, I mean, I've just recently graduated and, you know, but during that time of studying, you know, the amount of people who I met and even myself, there are times where I thought, am I supposed to be doing this? Is this for, really for me? You know, yeah. am I really engaged? Most, some of the times it was no. Yeah. You know, what, what would be your advice to some of our peers out there listening who perhaps have having those thoughts and they're not too sure whether or not they should continue with their degrees or not? What, what would be your advice to them? I think the thing I've learned over, what, eight, nine, God, it's a long time now, eight, nine years of business and, and uh, sounds cliche, but of making mistakes and, and doing those things and, and depending on your opinion, wasting eight months at university until I dropped out. Um, personally, in my personal experience, it was because it wasn't a benefit to what I ended up ended up doing. Um, not not saying that university is a waste of time. Of course, it depends on the course and depends on your circumstance. But uh, I think the thing that I've learned over that whole period and all of that experience is that gut feel is one of the biggest things that people tend to ignore because it's a biological thing and not a logical thing. Um, but it's one of the things that when I followed it, it's 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 done me right. When I've ignored it, it's done me wrong. Um, and therefore, the gut feel that you have about the thing that you're doing, if it's anywhere near negative, follow it and do the thing that your your it's cliche, but your heart is saying you should do. Um, there are of course logical de- decisions, things like investing in the next uh, big business is probably not necessarily could uh, yeah I suppose it could be predicated on a gut feel you can see somebody going to do something there are logical things in there of course that you'll you'll uh, you'll have to factor in but when it comes to your career it comes to your education choices if you do something and it automatically starts to not feel right then do something about it, especially in something that's going to take three or four, or if you're, depending on the course you're doing, five or six, or in some cases, seven years, five. <laughs> five for you. Okay. I mean, I think, what was it? I, I was going to do architecture at one point, and that's seven years to get fully qualified. And I wasn't quite sure when I was considering it. And to not be quite sure and to use up, depending on your life expectancy, 10% of your life learning about that it just seemed bonkers. So, uh, you know, until you're 100% sure, I'm not going to be factoring 10% of my life on it. If it was going to take 1% of my life, maybe, because it's just a betting game. You just got to bet against yourself and, 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 and factor the, the, the time that we've got on the planet, I suppose, versus the decisions that you make. Um, so yeah, getting right back to basics for me, it was just a case of going, this doesn't feel right. Um, and it, and it didn't feel right enough for me to make a decision. But it, unlike lots of people who will do the whole dropout story and make it sound really glamorized, um, a few of them probably it did go like that. But I imagine there were lots more informed decisions. So I never liked to glamorize it too much um, because it's not a glamorous thing. It was really pressured. It was probably one of the last times I remember properly crying because of the pressure release. But... Um, it was an informed decision. I deferred for two years. I didn't drop out day one and that was it. I just deferred and it meant that I could go back if I wanted to within two years. Two years later, I got the letter. I'd started my business. I was working at the same time. I knew at that point out and out that I shouldn't go back to university. It was not right for me. And so I just tore the letter up and threw it in the bin. It wasn't right. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a case of just making an informed decision. Um, but explore yourself. That's, that's, I think, the key moral of the story. Explore all the things that you enjoy, all the things you're good at. Do them to the best of your ability. And if it's right for you, go for it. I love that. I think it's, it's really, what you're saying is I couldn't agree more in terms of your gut feel. Um, but a question I do have is, you know, you talked about, you know, 
you kind of have to get certain. You have to kind of figure out through whether it's, you know, through exploring, through trying different things or what or whatnot. Are there any other strategies you'd give in terms of, you know, how to kind of get certain on what you actually want? I think in this you know, world of ours, there are just so many opportunities. I have so many of my mates, mm. you know, being like, oh, I don't even know. There are five options. Which one do I pick? Yeah. You know, apart from that gut feel and kind of, you know, the exploration thing, what strategies would you give to to people who are in that situation? I think uh, it comes down to one question for me, which is nice because it's succinct. And it's a question that I'm sure lots of people have asked, but the, the first time I heard it, I think it was from uh, the uh, teacher, philosopher, Alan Watts. Um, and he said, think about money not being an object and money never existing. Humans would still exist, you know, prior to money, we were on a trade system. Prior to that, we just survived. And uh, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but uh, the the question is, if money wasn't an object, what would you do every day? Um, and so if you're into four or five or six different things... Um, and two of those are the things that you really love. They might be playing football and acting, or it might be driving go-karts, or it might be making podcasts, or it might be film and TV, or it might be gaming. You know, whatever it would be that you would spend all of your time doing, that is by default your answer. Because if money didn't exist, that's it. Then obviously the challenge is, and from a business point of view, is taking that passion, that thing that you love so much, and then channeling that into actual work. But the chances are someone in the world is doing what you do, what you love for a living. Um, and the only difference between them and you as the person who loves doing it but isn't getting paid is that they decided on it they doubled down on it and they decided to turn it into their job they figured out how to make money from it um and they went and did it the problem comes of course if someone hasn't done it before but that's cool because you get to decide yourself how should somebody make money from this and 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 how should I survive? Uh, the thing is, not everybody needs to be rich. Um, lots of people think, okay, great, but how do I make a million pounds from that? It doesn't necessarily matter. A million pounds is a lot of money. If you can make £100,000 a year playing your PlayStation, and that's what you want to do, um, which would be great. Um, but that's, you know, for me, that's probably in my top six things of things I'd like to do, but not my top one, which is why I don't do it for a living. I'll just do it on the weekends when I'm trying to chill. But if it's the top one for somebody, then it's their job to figure that out. And of course, there are people now that earn a living from esports and streaming and gaming. So, um, so yeah, I think it's just asking that, that question. What would you do if money wasn't an object? And then that should give you your, what people like to call their North Star, um, and then just go after that. Mm. Love that. Awesome advice. Um, so I'd love to go a bit into kind of the first business that you created at out of uni. So or well, after, you know, you decided it wasn't for you. So, you know, it was called the the, the Mindus Creative Group. And in your TED Talk, you, you spoke a lot about how you kind of decided to create this creative agency based on the core skills you had at the time. Mm. You know, so what you know, what were the early struggles you faced? You know, you said earlier that it's it wasn't all that glamorous, you know. Um, so what were some of those early struggles? Okay, so, um, yeah, I think to, to touch on your first point about uh, going with your strengths. So when somebody starts a business, I, I like to think that there are two types of people that start a business. You're either so good at something that you end up doing it for a living, 
kind of uh, the, the conversation we just had around that previous question, or you're so interested in business, that's your North Star, that's the thing you wanted to do because you're just really interested in it, and you don't have that specialism, i.e. me, so you pick something that you're good at, or a couple of things, build them together and turn it into something you can sell, and, and I'm quite jealous of the people that are so good at something, because as I say, it's very specific, they can go and sell that, um, but for me, it was just about taking my core skills so I was good at IT I was good at art I thought let's put them together create something that's kind of designy uh, the internet was already a thing I'm not old enough to to use the whole the internet was just becoming a thing uh, quote like lots of people but it was still you know web 1.0 ish and uh, user experience wasn't a thing really apps were early days and so uh, we started to create brands um, and things for friends and family um, and that was and that was that. But uh, it took me four or five years to get to a point where I had a proper, quote unquote, proper business. You know, I wasn't working anymore. I'd left my part time job. So I worked three and a half years, four years in a part time job whilst trying to grow a business. That, in hindsight, was crazy. I should have left earlier. Um, but actually, also in hindsight, I don't think I could have. And that's because of the challenges I faced. And that's the challenges that we tried to solve at Yenna. So there's a stat that says, and I don't know how true this is because it changes every year and depends on the person you ask, but four out of five businesses fail within their first year. Now, the learning curve of growing a business, starting and growing a business, in my opinion, is on par with, if not more than, and I have this from a parent, I'm not a parent, but I have this from a parent, so don't kill me, um, is if on par, if not higher, uh, learning curve than having a child so it's the biggest learning curve that you can experience love that <laughs> I, I, was, I was always tiptoeing around that potential and then I had it from, from somebody the other day who said no I'm a parent and it is harder and I was like right I'm going to quote you thanks Merley by the way um, so uh, yeah we, um, uh, we, we experienced that learning curve and if most businesses fail within their first year but that learning curve lasts longer than a year then there is a real fundamental issue there why why does that exist why shouldn't that learning curve be much much shorter arguably shorter than a year because if it did then four out of five businesses would succeed unless there was a fundamental error there um you know in the finances or whatever so uh, that's one of the things that we're trying to fix here. And one of the things I experienced was the learning curve. We still learn stuff every single day, but there are basics that people should know in starting and growing a business, especially with the fact that entrepreneurship is glamorized now. And lots of people get distracted by the finer, minute details. And crazy for me, I'm writing lots of content at the moment, people forget how... that. They forget how and why they should sell. It's very, very basic. A business sells stuff for more than it costs to make or deliver. That's... That's it. Forget everything else. Your accounts can be all over the place. Your branding may not exist. You may not have a website. As long as you're selling something for more than it costs, you have a business and a successful one. There are companies out there that seem to be incredible businesses, but are failing, you know, uh, all of the time. Snapchat is a great example. You know, they race to IPO and they're losing two billion every quarter. Nonsense and crazy. Um, so the learning curve being one. Um, and then there are essentially three other challenges that I missed uh, that we're trying to solve. So we're trying to solve four, four challenges here at Yenna and, and, um, and those come from the four challenges I realized I had. So first one's learning curve. The second one is community. It's lonely starting and growing a business. You speak to your friends about it, they don't get it. You speak to your parents about it, they'll never get it. Um, and so if we can find other people like us, then there's people we can share that lonely journey with, share the challenges that we experience with because they've probably got them or had them or going to have them themselves and it, and it works 
works out better. And also the successes. If something goes well, our friends don't understand that we've landed our first client and it means the world to us or our 10th client or we've just managed to become sustainable and we can leave our jobs now or whatever. They don't get that and, and people in the community do. So that's the second one. The third one is cost. Cost of time, cost of money. Um, uh, cost of resources we need certain things like you here of course we've got podcast equipment there are laptops there are cameras we need those things and they cost money um so they cost money to start with could we potentially save people money in using those things those softwares those tools and those resources yes that saves them money but also could we save them money in making the wrong de- in making the right decisions for them by curating the best stuff day one. Uh, I can't imagine the amount of money I've wasted by choosing the wrong suppliers and the wrong tools and resources along the way. So if we can use that learning and tell other people, that makes sense. And the final thing is support. Support is either terrible because it's supplied by the government who in many cases have never run a business themselves. So that makes no sense. Um, Or it's uh, supplied by people that have, but charge a pretty penny for it. Understandably, of course, it's their experience and they've spent years trying to do that. So uh, that's worth their money. Um, But that makes it unaccessible to people starting and growing businesses. So that's the fourth and final challenge we're trying to overcome. I wish I had somebody to guide me as a mentor either as a community or as an individual that could connect me with other inv- individuals that have maybe run a design agency before. I finally found it, but it was, you know, if I hadn't had that part-time job, it would have been three years too late and I would have failed already. Um, but uh, it's our job now through Yenna to supply people like that to people like me in day one where we're solving all those challenges. Because by default, if we can solve all four of those challenges, there shouldn't be any remaining. And it's quite hippie and blue sky, but it means that actually four out of five at the very least uh, of businesses should be able to start and grow and sustain. And that's the goal anyway. Wow. That is awesome. I think that, Super long answer, by the way. Sorry. No, I loved it. <laughs> I think that there's so many questions that come out of that, but I think that I guess firstly, what I find most fascinating is the fact that you were able to identify those four things in yourself and what you struggle with and then channel that into, you know, turning Yina into a business. And I I looked, I kind of obviously listened to your TED talk, I've done a bit of research and I I saw that that was kind of that point you kind of were at this point in your life where you were running your uh, marketing company, which I definitely want to get into and then you also had this community you've built you built up through Yina and you kind of thought Yina makes no money but this is what I'm passionate about this is what I want to do and I mean it's phenomenal phenomenal that you were able to go out and do that and channel those four things that that's just that's just awesome that's a remark I wanted to make um, but I guess firstly I'd love to go into that decision there so how did you know you know firstly tell us a bit about that um, social media marketing company you were sure. running and how did you know it was time to leave that and, and go do you now full time? Um, it's quite unique. I don't think there's like a one size fits all here. So uh, the short story around that was that I'd been working on the design agency for about three and a half years um, uh, whilst working part time. I jumped out into it full time and ended up working on some projects with other agencies. Was uh, I suppose a, a good tip here for people that are running design agencies is that strategic partnerships make up 30%, I would say, if not more of your revenue, building up relationships with agencies that don't do what you do or claim they do what you do but don't actually do it and need somebody to to do that for them um is where i got a lot of my work from so there was a um there was a uh, a company uh in bristol called bristol space planes so people ask me what i want to do when i'm older um 
I'm a huge space geek and I'm really interested in the space industry. And I think actually um, it's been a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek thing for a little while, but now with the likes of, of Elon obviously trying to uh, turn it into a commercial space race, I think that it's probably where the first trillion dollar company is going to be made if Apple don't make it in the next year or so. Um, so uh, hopefully it'll be a smart decision eventually. Um, anyway, so there was this company called Bristol Space Planes um, in Bristol. They were building uh, horizontal takeoff and landing orbital space flight uh, uh, planes, um, reusable, um, don't have to land vertically um, and have to reinvent the wheel, even though SpaceX have. Um, and I thought it was great. But it was run by a guy who quite literally was a rocket scientist and was uh, 70-ish years old. So he'd been around during the Cold War. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean that his brand would be terrible by default, but it was because he hadn't focused on design uh, on his brand. So I got in touch and said, hey, uh, I'd love to rebrand this won't cost you anything. I just want it on my portfolio. I think it's really cool. Let me help you. It deserves to work. Um, kind of a side note, Filton, where I'm from, um, is known very much for its aerospace industry. Um, it's where Concorde was uh, originally flown and made um, uh, and, <clears throat> and its final flight landed there. Um, and we just recently had our airstrip uh, torn up and I thought, okay, well, if Filton's going to be back on the map aerospace-wise, it will probably come in the space industry. So all of that added to one. I said, hey, David, let me let me help you. Um, he was doing a crowdfunding campaign at the time uh, to create a remote control version um, and uh, employed a social agency to do that. So we drove down to Froome, which is just south of Bath, and I met the social agency there who were called Gumption. Um, and Gumption is run by a remarkable woman called Jenna Yarn. Um, uh, Jenna Young now, sorry, recently married. Um, and, uh, and we hit it off, went really well. We worked on a couple of other projects together and we started to do some referrals backwards and forwards, but so many that actually it ended up being a little bit nonsensical not to work together in a, a deeper capacity. So we decided to merge the companies. Um, lots of people on the outside will see it as a full merger. We merged the actual entities together, but we didn't. We just merged the brands. Um, and kept the entities separate. The best best analogy I can use for it is that it's like dating before getting married. We weren't just going to jump straight into it and get married straight away. We thought, let's do 12 or 18 months to start with. So we did that. Twelve. It was supposed to be 12 months. Invariably, we got busy and it turned into 18 months. We grew the company from three to six or seven in that uh, 12, 18 months, two years, um, which was we were happy with. Um, and... But before that had happened, I'd already started Yenna. Yenna wasn't supposed to be a business. It was a meetup where I could meet other people like me, trying to solve those problems that I already had, uh, selfishly for me, and then hopefully maybe by, by, as a byproduct for other people. Um, people started to come along to these events. It's almost like a, uh, a field of dreams business model, build it and they will come. Uh, great film if you haven't seen it. And, um, and so we did it and, we, uh, and loads of people turned up. Um, uh, over time first one was quite quiet naturally and then it grew and grew and grew and so we came to an impasse these two journeys came to a head um, two years of gumption three-ish years of Yenna um, and it got to a point where I was busy on both gumption was growing Yenna was growing. Yenna wasn't a business yet, but people would actually start to ask what they could buy from us. So it's the first time I've ever had that, and it sounds brilliant, but uh, wasn't necessarily so. I'll go into that probably in a little bit. But um, so I had this decision to make. It was one or the other, basically. Um, and uh, gut feel kicked in. I think that's probably what it was. Me and Jenna had uh, Jenna and I had had a conversation. Um, I wanted to scale the business. I think she wanted to keep it quite boutique and small. 
neither were correct um well both were correct it just depends on who you, on where you wanted to go really um and so that in hindsight would have probably caused tensions going forwards we didn't want that to happen yenna was uh, big uh, or getting bigger and uh it was kind of my baby a little bit and i thought you know what could i do here there wasn't a ceiling it was an interesting thing it was community based and so all of that just came to a head and it was uh, again, very much like the university decision. It wasn't just a snap decision. It was informed. Um, I knew that I had four or five months of runway to be able to, uh, you know, test this and hopefully create a product out of Vienna uh, and see if it worked. So, um, yeah, jumped out, uh, started the membership product. The rest is history, basically. Um, but the decision was was led by gut, but it was an informed as well. Um, that's probably the lesson I can give here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Wow love that it's it's so cool how that gut feeling just keeps running through every everything and i think that it's definitely something that we can all take away now i want to go into um you know um the amount of things that i've heard about it um throw a few things out there you know obviously you know it's considered like pretty much number one in the uk which is phenomenal forbes talked about it um we had, I think it was the Sunday Times talked about it. Mm. Um, you know, you yourself, you know, within, I think it was within the same year, you were listed as um, Maserati 100 um, as, you know, alongside household names, which is phenomenal. And also you did your first TED Talk this year, which is awesome. You know, you, the success you've had with this has been insane. So talk to us a bit about how you, you know, that progression there. So you obviously left, left, you know, that marketing business of yours and, and kind of put two feet in, um, which I personally think is the best way to do things. Absolutely. Um, but talk to us a bit about that progression. Um, okay. So I think... I think it only you only it only occurs to you how far you've come when you have conversations like this because as a founder and an owner it's just every day you just have to do those things and it's just a nice happening um, I've been saying this a lot lately but I think entrepreneurship as a mindset um, and as a job but as a mindset um, is both a blessing and a curse because it gives you the drive and ambition to achieve more than quote unquote the average Joe I suppose somebody in a nine to five for example who will look at you and go wow you've got an awesome job you're doing cool things all the time this is interesting so it gives you the drive and ambition to do that to to end up on certain lists to get certain kudos to to hopefully get paid fairly well um, and and that's what it opens up but the curse about it is that that drive and ambition never goes away and so when you're sat there on the sofa trying to rest up a little bit you are pushed to the limit um i'm a bit of a movie buff and uh one of my uh, favorite quotes and favorite films is limitless with uh, i think it's uh, bradley cooper where he says about um if uh, it, it felt like if he wasn't moving forward it felt like his brain was going to explode and i think that's what a lot of entrepreneurially yes. minded people get right you get the same thing yes. you just you sat there and you know there's an email to be responded mm. to you know there's a client that needs you know there are people out there in the world that need your help and so any moment you rest is not enough. You need to do more. Um, 
you know, over the last year and a half, I've found that, of course, rest is hugely important. Um, I'm probably two years overdue on a holiday, um, which is, you know, nonsensical. It's crazy. Australia is calling, just throwing that in there. It is. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty long haul. But, yeah, you know, January in Australia. Yeah, I've been but... trying to figure out where it's going to be hot in January. And, yeah, you've pretty much solved the problem there. Um, so, yeah, Australia in January. Um, but, yeah, the journey so far, I think as I say you just roll with the punches you do things you make things happen you see an opportunity you chase it you 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 deliver on it and then you do another one uh, obviously as a, as a owner manager as a founder you're juggling 14 of those plates at the same time and hopefully one ends up spinning on its own and then you add another one to the mix and carry on and carry on and carry on um so that's that um but I think I don't even think it I don't even think it's task led. I'm really, really bad at setting myself tasks and time management. So all I know is that I want progress. It's just all defined by progress. If I can move forward in some way, shape or form, then something good will probably happen. And that's either helping someone, it's either applying to something like this, it's helping enough people that they apply to these for you um and so on and so on you do that enough then good things should happen it's not karma it's just logic um yeah that's just awesome i think that that's like brings us to our second last question here sure. and you know but firstly i just want to i just want to congratulate you on the awesome work that you're doing at yena and the awesome work you've done i think that you know we can all learn so much from from this community that you've built and just from i guess the fact that you know, you've just this idea that you've just followed your gut in every kind of aspect of your life, which is really an awesome takeaway. Um, so I'd, I'd like to thank you for that. Thank you. So our second last question today is, what does it feel like to be a young entrepreneur who's on their own time, who's running their own business and who's just making like a real change in the world? What does that feel like for you? Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, you build, that you build it up and, I, and I've knocked it right back down. Yeah. It's um, no, it's not terrible. It's it's awesome. You get to come to you know, you get to come to awesome cities like London every now and again. You get to meet amazing people like you that have made awesome trips to to different countries, and you get to meet fascinating people. And I love fascinating people that's the i suppose full circle uh the thing that i used to get in school all the time was uh on my report card was that i would do great if i stopped talking um but now i've kind of made it my job so i'm happy with that um distracting other people apparently um but yeah so um it, it does feel great you get to do um you get to do within a certain uh, sphere what you want to do on a daily basis um, and hopefully make a living from it um, it's a long hard slog for anybody that is considering it of course Yana is there to make it easier more enjoyable less lonely faster etc 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 that's why we exist um, but that doesn't mean the challenges don't go away and those challenges can sometimes just be wrapped up inside your own head which is why we have the community there so you can share it and hopefully it keep, doesn't keep you up at night but you know um, one of the things that I suffer with a lot and I know a lot of people do is uh, imposter syndrome is the fact that you know you'll be sat there and as soon as your head hits the pillow at night when you're about to go to sleep you start doubting things and you're wondering what's going on regardless of all those things that are on the internet somewhere saying how good you are you're still wondering you know why you're not here yet or why you're not doing that or how you can possibly afford to make these things happen um so it's 
if I wasn't unemployable now, which I think I completely am, I would love to be in a in a solid job, taking a salary every month. That that assurance that your bill's going to be paid at the end of the month is great. Um, it's amazing for peace of mind, but I don't think I could work for somebody else anymore because that then puts a uh, much more of a ceiling on it. The upside is limitless when you run a business. The downside is scary. The downside when you work for somebody is less scary because that salary should come in at the end of the month. Reality is actually those businesses are just as volatile. So you know, as a company in the Southwest, it's just made uh, hundreds of people redundant just before Christmas who didn't expect it. It's just because they're a business like everybody else. So actually working for a company, I don't mean to scare people, is actually just as volatile as running one essentially. Um, the only thing that you have in running one is, of course, being master of your own destiny and you can manage that. Um, I would I, I, I just have an angel and the devil on, on each shoulder. I couldn't recommend running your own business more. There's nothing more challenging and therefore more rewarding when it goes right in the world. I don't think I haven't had kids yet again, so I don't uh, that might trump it. But it's it's one of the most rewarding things I, I think I could ever do. Um, but it's also hugely stressful. And I would say only do it if you feel you're cut out for it. If your gut says go for it, go for it. But if you're in two minds, you're not ready. Um, but talk to me. I'll, I'll, I'll nudge you into it probably. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Love that. Um, perfect. So that just leads us on perfectly to our last question, which is how we finish all of our interviews here at the Peers Project. Okay. And that is, what do you think is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? Ooh, that's a deep question, isn't it? I'd love to hear everybody else's answers. I'm going to go through the whole back catalogue of the Peers Project uh, yes. to hear what everybody else said and try and figure out why my question wasn't as... Uh, my, my answer wasn't as good. Um, <laughs> but what's the value? I think the value is self fulfillment and satisfaction and the little things, the little celebrations, um, because in the vast... Uh, the vast journey of it all even if you sign a massive contract uh, it's not necessarily about the money on there it's just the fact that you've achieved that it's employing your first employee it's uh, it's it's getting your name out there and seeing it. It's uh, it's different for everybody. It can be ego driven. It can be monetary driven. It can be uh, fulfillment. It could be peace of mind. It could be charitable. But it's the ability to uh, bend and flex depending on what your wants and needs are at the time. If you one month want to make lots of money, you have the ability to as long as you have a good product that's fit for purpose. Um, if you want to at some point do something very charitable, you have the ability to. It's having, it's being the master of your own. I don't think it comes down to money most of the time. I think it comes down to time uh, because money enables you to do what you want with your time. It's being the master of your own time um, and, and, and enabling you to fulfill, for me, uh, your non-conformist needs by being completely different to everybody else, which is probably ego-driven. Um, that's a really convoluted answer, isn't it? It's, it's just being able to achieve everything that you, wanted to, you want to achieve um, and having the flexibility to do so and no limitations from a boss or a corporation, basically. Um, but your customers are your boss, so uh, you, you're never without one. It's just upside down instead. <laughs> Awesome. Just such an awesome end to our conversation here today, um, which was, you know, just as riveting and thought provoking as I thought it would be. Um, where can people learn more about you and Yina? 
So uh, people can find out more about Yena at uh, yena.co.uk. Um, uh, so we are uh, on a global strategy now. Uh, the dot com is currently taken by a Turkish dental manufacturing company. So uh, if they're listening, I'd love to buy it. Um, <laughs> otherwise, we'll have to be moving soon. So currently, it's yena.co.uk. Um, they can find me uh, probably best on Twitter, um, which is at the Ash Phillips. Again, Ash Phillips is taken annoyingly. I'm not being uh, really vain with the Ash Phillips there. Um, and on Twitter for Yena is at Yena Global. Um, we are currently in, uh, as of January, 11 cities across the UK. We run events eight times a year. They're completely free. So people can come to those. They can find those events uh, via the website. Um, and we are growing into more cities next year uh, with a target of about 30 to 40 events next year. And that includes international locations. So uh, we may be down under soon. Oh, uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> or, or very close and, and probably there following. But, um, but yeah, so they can find out all about us via the website, basically. Um, and if they have any questions, they can tweet me and I'll answer everybody. Um, so, yeah. Perfect. Thanks so much, Ash. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of, of course. And for everyone else listening, we'll end with that. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.